Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. Let's come around the Word of God. I, I've got a message I want to share with you. And I was only thinking as I was driving up today, I think I shared out of this passage of Scripture to a leadership team like about 18 months ago. Um, and it's not the same message. It's totally, God's spoken to me it's a whole different way. But I, I just thought of that coming up. It was like, wow. Okay, God, this is, is this like a repeat message. No, it's not a repeat message. Uh, it's, I believe God's got something to say out of this. And I love this theme that we've been in of greater things. And I think we must live life with a desire that greater things are going to take place. And so I want to uh, break down a passage of Scripture. Uh, it's in 2 Kings chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 1 through to 7. Uh, it's beyond the screen behind me. It says this. One day, the group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, let me just stop there, is... Uh, I looked up this meaning of what Elisha means, and it means Jesus is Saviour. And so as I am sharing this message, there are times where I'll, I'll mention the name Elisha, other times I'll just get confused and go to Jesus is Saviour. Uh, uh, I'm not trying to discount who Elijah, Elisha was, that he was a great prophet of God, but his, he was a forerunner for Christ, and his, naming, his name was Jesus, meant Jesus is Saviour. And so I may just combine it at different times, and I apologise for that. I'll just get too excited. And it says this, As you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. And so the people are literally saying, Elisha, where we are meeting with you is too small. Jesus is Saviour. Where, where we are meeting with you is actually too small. And I think that's a challenge for all of us uh, of what does our relationship with Jesus actually look like? It is what rooms we make in our lives, in our hearts, in our every day, 24 hours, seven days a week, what rooms we make to encounter Christ. And they say, let's go down to the Jordan River, where there are plenty of logs, and there we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them, go ahead, please come with us, someone suggested. And he said, I will. And so he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water, and he cried out and said, alas, master, for it was borrowed. So the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place, and so he cut off a stick and threw it in there, and he made the iron float. And therefore he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and he took it. Is Over the last number of weeks, is, uh, we've been doing some renovations back at, at home. We're doing some bathrooms and uh, a laundry space. And as I was meeting with the builder, we're going through the plans of what it was going to look like. And all the dean was really meeting with the builder and uh, going through the plans. I have no idea when it comes to things like that. And uh, at the end of the conversation, he asked the question, of, well, would you like me to quote to do the demolition work or would you like to do the demolition work yourself? And so I'm like, I like wrecking things. I like destroying things. Why don't I do the demolition work and you put it all back together at the end of it? And uh, so we made that agreement. And so I went to uh, start de demolishing these spaces. And as I has removed some of the coverings on the wall there, is I had to remove a, a number of hardwood studs. And so I got out my hammer, my little trusty old hammer, and I started banging away at this hardwood stud, and it did not budge, it did not move. Didn't matter how hard I hit it, I just needed something with greater weight to it. And so I went to my garden shed. Uh, does anyone have one of those really organized garden sheds, like your OCD as it comes to garden sheds? Or maybe it's a little bit my, like mine, I have no idea what's in my garden shed, the collection. And as I was rummaging around the garden shed, I, I came across this thing. Uh, I don't know, it, it may have been the one that Elisha used and made float all those tens of thousands, not tens of thousands, thousands of years ago. But I came across this, 
and uh, this device, and so I went to the house thinking, it's got enough weight to it, I'm gonna, this, this may just do the job, and so I started whacking uh, these hardwood timber, timber studs, and uh, on one of the whacks, as I was bringing the axe head through, is it became very light, uh, and the axe head actually flew off across the room. That, that is a scary thing. When something with weight in your hand flies off the handle, it was not just scary for me, it was also scary for the cat, or scarier for the cat. And, uh, and so I've titled my message, Don't Fly Off the Handle. Is it, you, can, you can take that any way you want right now. Um, and so out of this experience, I, I just started thinking around this passage of scripture, I just got a few thoughts I'd love to share with you, which I think are applicable to all of our lives. So let me just read verses 1 and 2 again. So this, one day the group of prophets came to Elisha, Jesus his saviour, and said to him, as you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. Let's go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs, and there we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them, go ahead. My first thought is this, is if where you desire to be is not where you are, then it's time to move. Yeah. If where you desire to be is not where you are, then it's time to move. I am not necessarily talking about moving externally or physically, although this can take place at different times where we must have an external move, a total physical move out of the situation we find ourselves in. But I found that this is more relating to us that there must be something that will shift internally in order for us to move forward into all that God has for us, whether that is a change around a value system, a belief system, for you and I to put greater, a greater trust and a greater confidence in God. And so if where you desire to be is not where you are, then it's time to move. And so here, this group of prophets, they identify a problem. I, I never want to be a person that just always identifies problems and doesn't always see the solution. I think whenever you and I identify a problem, is that God would also desire to give to each and every one of us a solution to that problem. Is it problems that come our way? We are not designed to ignore the problem or to avoid the problem, but we're designed to deal with and confront and, and to overcome the problems that come our way. And so this group of prophets are saying, this is the problem right now, is the place where we're meeting with you, it's too small. Yeah. I, I pray that you and I would be like this group of, group of people and that we would be solution-oriented and so they decide, well, we identify a problem, now we come up with a solution, is we need to build a new place. Yeah. I find whenever you and I have identified smallness in an area of our life, the only, the only way we can overcome smallness is enlargement. Yeah. And God has designed each and every one of us to enlarge. Remember uh, Genesis 1.28, is it says these words, doesn't God bless them? Yeah. Well, I can say that so flippantly, eh? and God blessed you, and just move on. But if you just consider that for a moment, is that the creator of heaven and earth, at the outset, says, I'm blessing them. Yeah. Humanity may have cursed you, but God says, I bless them. Yeah. I bless them. And in our Western world culture, we so look at that and just think, well, that's just finances. No, 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 no. Do, do, not, do not ever limit the blessing of God to what is in a bank account because that will always be never sufficient. But God bless them. Oh. He blessed you. 
Young man, he blessed you. Look at the size of you. I'm glad you're my friend. But God blessed you. He has placed something inside of you that you have not even tapped into just yet. Hmm. There is a power inside of you. I want you, to, I want you to go home this week, Ephesians 3.20. Ephesians, if you need to put it on your phone, you can take it out, Ephesians 3.20. I want you to read it and read it and read it. There is miracles in your life. There is a power inside of you. And God, and God would bless us. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. We have a God of enlargement, a God of increase. And if you and I can identify any areas of smallness in our life, is we just need to hang on to the word of God and partner God into a place of enlargement. And so they identify a problem. And I think it's, it's not a bad thing for you and I to identify a problem or identify where we are currently situated and located because then that spot becomes a starting point for change. Unless you and I can actually do an audit of our lives and assess where we are currently located, is we can never move forward into the next that God has for us. And so doing an audit of our lives and where my relationship is and where I am positioned to be is a good thing because it can be now an invitation for Christ to come and to move us into a a position forward. You and I, we can't live big lives on the outside by having a small life on the inside. I can't be great outside and small on the inside. I can't be satisfied with smallness because when we become satisfied with smallness is there can be no enlargement in our lives and God has designed us that we would always enlarge. God has designed us that our reach would always exceed our grasp. Let me just put it this way. God has designed your life that your reach would always be longer than our grasp. He's saying, hey, hey, don't hang on to things. It's no, just keep allowing God to stretch and to reach, our, reach all of our lives. It's that God has something new for each and every one of us. If you identify smallness, you just need to know who can bring the increase. If smallness is not a bad thing, unless you don't know the answer who can bring enlargement around about our lives. I found that smallness is uncomfortable. Ladies, have you ever put those shoes on that were just a fraction, half size too small? That's uncomfortable. Beginning of September, Father's Day, is uh, my kids and my wife, Nadine, is they brought me some new shirts, the Sunday shirts, preaching shirts, I call them. And... uh, and so, as I got these shirts, I didn't try them on. I just, I just like, Nadine's always buying me shirts. It's going to be right size, it's going to be all those things. And uh, one Sunday morning, I was like, I'm going to wear that shirt. I'm going to wear the new shirt. Still had all the tags on it and that. I got out the iron, I started ironing. I left the tags on, thank goodness for that. And uh, after ironing, I put, it, put the shirt on. So I tried to put the shirt on. And obviously, COVID has been really good to me in different ways. And <laughs> the shirts that once fitted me, <laughs> When now, like, it was just wrong. If I, if I would have bought it to the, wore it today, it would have been very uncomfortable for you and more uncomfortable for me. 
uh, in that, but I've, I found that smallness is uncomfortable. It, we, we don't wear smallness well on it, on our lives. And I found that when we identify smallness in our lives, it can either be a positive thing or a negative thing. It's a positive thing if we can identify it and we now work out a plan and partner with God to move forward into something. It becomes a negative when you and I say, well, this is it. This is who I am. Yeah. I've always been like this. Yeah. Uh, there's no solution moving forward. Uh, I don't even think Jesus can help me in this area of my life to bring enlargement. And so when we identify smallness, if it's, it can be positive if there's change, and it can be a negative if there's no future and hope. And I, I have prayed this week for you that if you identify areas of smallness in your life today or in the future, that you'd always see there's a solution in Jesus. That you are not designed to be like that. I'm reminded of the story of the the 12 spies that went into the promised land as God had promised the Israelites had moved into this land flowing with milk and honey, a land full of great promise. And these 12 spies go in for a period of time and they observe what's taking place in this area and they come back with reports to the whole nation. I find it remarkable that as 12 came back is that there were two completely opposing views of what they had seen in the land. Is they had both seen a land of promise, a land that flowed with just incredible resources. That, that, they, that both groups, they had seen the giants in the land and they'd also heard the voice of God that God was going to go with them in the promised land. And so they saw all the same things. They heard the same things, but yet two different reports came back. Is it two guys, Joshua and Caleb in Numbers 13 and verse 30, they came back and said this. They said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome. I I want to be on their side. Is they saw a land of promise, they heard the voice of God, they saw the giants in the land, they saw the the, the milk and and the honey that flowed and said, you know what? In spite of the obstacles, we can go up and overcome. Three verses later, a group of ten say this back to the whole nation. In verse 33, it says, There we saw the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Uh, How how can two reports be so completely different? Two say, yep, there's giants in the land, but with God we can go in and overcome. Ten say, we are so small, we are so insignificant, and they are so big. And they come up with this language. They say, here in this verse, and we were like grasshoppers in our sight. Is that no one was calling them grasshoppers. They just came to this self-determination that that is who we are. We were like grasshoppers in our sight, and so we were in their sight. Who told them that? Who told them that they were grasshoppers? But more importantly, who told you that? Who who told you that you were so small? Who told you that you would never change? Who, Who told you that you were a mistake and you wouldn't amount to anything? Who told you that our family's always been like this, we'll never change? Who told you that you could never inherit the promises of God? Who who told you there's no hope and no future in your life? Who told you you are unloved? Who told you that? Words have incredible power. And words that we believe about ourselves 
have even greater power. And these ten, they saw themselves as grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in theirs. Is for all of it, we must change the narrative around about our life. We must see ourselves how God sees ourselves. And I have prayed for those ones this week where words have shaped who you are, where words of others have imprisoned you and kept you bound and kept you in a place of hopelessness and kept you in a a place of smallness. And I, I am declaring over your life the name of Jesus today that would set captives free. That you would, we would allow forgiveness to flow over ones that have spoken words over our lives. I remember defining years of my life at 15 years of age and at 21 and at 26 where words were spoken over me that imprisoned me for so long, that robbed from my life. And I, I, I'm declaring that no, from this day forward, is your life is not going to be stolen from anymore. But I've got, we have a God who can transform our thinking and our narrative. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so were we in their sight. The, this syndrome has a name attached to it. It's called the, the grasshopper complex. It's when we think of ourselves in a certain way, and therefore others will think of us in exactly the same way. And the, the cause of the grasshopper complex is this. It's up on the screen here. The cause of the complex comes from facing human problems with human resources. Is We can never face human problems with human resources. It doesn't matter how much human resource I throw at my human problem, it can never overcome it. It is the only way that human problems can be resolved is by encountering the name above every other name, the name of Jesus. The only way that the human problem can be resolved is by you and I immersing ourselves in God's great love, God's great truth, His grace and His mercy. It is the only way the human problem, your problem, my problem can be resolved is by the precious blood of Jesus. Is that human problems can never be resolved by human resources. It can only be resolved by God Himself. And it's when we fail to immerse ourselves or allow God be immersed in every aspect and every area of our lives, that's when this complex, the grasshopper complex, automatically becomes real. My prayer is that you and I would invite God into every aspect of our lives. Every every facet, every detail, is that God, you're entwined in that. It's in Him I live and move and have my being. I, I want every area of my life entwined in Christ. Not just this area and these areas. Are, no, no, I can't allow the presence of God to, you know, to touch those areas. No, would you give Him everything? Give Him everything. Because wow. we don't give Him everything. We come to this conclusion, I'm just like a grasshopper. And grasshoppers don't win the wars and don't win the battles that I'm currently facing. You are more than a grasshopper. You've been designed, planned by God. See, the truth is that when you and I have a grasshopper complex, not even knowing that God is with us is going to make any difference. These 10 that came back with the report, we were just like grasshoppers. They knew that God was going to be with them going into the promised land. But because they saw themselves in this way, that became their guiding belief. And if you and I would continue to see ourselves in this place of smallness, 
not even knowing that God is with us is going to make any difference moving forward. We're just going to accept that that's who we are. Because unbelief will always distort the facts. Unbelief moves you and I away from a revealed truth. And the world in which we're living in right now is is an unbelieving world. Why? Because they've moved away from the truth of Christ. It distorts the facts. We're in the world right now, we have fact checkers that check the facts. I saw a post the other day, I was like, who's checking the fact checkers (laughs) who are giving us the facts? Now we have multi-layers of fact checkers to determine what the truth is. No, 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 no. I don't need, the only fact checker I know and need to know is the Word of God. The truth is found in Christ. Unbelief will distort the facts because we're moving away from a revealed truth. So flip that on its head, the only way that you and I can live in a position of believing is to move towards the truth. So where unbelief may reign in our hearts and switch that to believing, I just need to go back to the truth of who Christ is and stand on the Word of God. If you have any doubts about the truth of the Word of God, jump in it yourself. I'm not living off somebody else's truth. I'm not living off anyone else's opinion of what the Word of God holds. And we live in a day where, as believers, we're not in the Word to determine our own truth or what the truth of God is. There's internet sites, there's others' opinions. No, 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 no. Shut them down, open this up. And I'm telling you, when you are in the truth of the Word of God, is that unbelieving turns to believing in a moment. My wife was diagnosed... September last year with, a, with cancer, a, probably the rarest form of cancer. It's like 15 people in Australia may get it a year. And I, I, I've seen her in this journey where there's been so many different voices and the voices of doctors and specialists and her immerse herself in the Word of God. She, not that she hasn't been in the Word of God, but a whole newfound truth has come her way. Not by listening to someone else's revelation, but by God speaking to her through... Yeah. His word. Would you and I, would we jump in the word of God? If where we desire to be is not where we are, it's time to move. Verses two and three. Let's go down the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs and there we can build a new place for us. All right, he told them, go ahead. Please come with us, someone suggested. Please come with us. And he said, I will. My second thought is this. We are not moving unless Jesus goes with us. I'm determining as an individual, as a family, I'm not going anywhere unless Jesus, you come with me. I'm not dragging him to places where he doesn't want to go. (laughs) How often do we try to do that? I'm going this way. Come with me, Jesus. He's like, I can't go there. I can't go to that nightclub. I can't do that. I can't have that life of behavior around about my life. But they're like, come on, come with me. Let's have fun together. He's like, no, I can't go there. I'm determining I'm not going to go anywhere unless Jesus goes with me. And here this group of young prophets, they have a problem. They say, hey, Jesus, we need your help. We need your guidance. We want you to navigate us moving forward. I love it that we have a God who wants to be with us. He He doesn't get bored of you. 
You might get bored with me a little bit, but you might he never gets bored with you. He's so excited that he has the opportunity to walk with us, and we also have the opportunity to walk with him. I love it that he is so mindful of our lives. He is interested in every facet, every detail of who we are. I think the greatest promise that the Word of God has for us is in Matthew chapter 1, where Jesus says, well, God speaks to a number of parents and says, this child, you shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. That we'd have the saviour of the world who would clothe himself in humanity, would step on terra firma, walk with humanity, and he would be with us. As the close of that chapter, Matthew 29, Jesus says these words, I will always be with you. You know, John 16, it says, it's to your advantage that I go, because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to be the comforter. He's going to be with you 24-7 every day, every moment of your life. I, I think it's the greatest promise ever that we have a God who wants to be with yeah. us. That right now, we're in the presence of God. We're in the presence. Tomorrow when you wake up, you're in the presence of God. And fr Friday night around the dinner table, we're in the presence of God. Talking to your next door neighbour on bin day, you're in the presence of God. When the greatest challenge comes, you're in the presence of God. In the moment of greatest excitement of life, we're in the presence of God. I pray that we'd be more mindful that we are in the presence of God. And even more so, as sons and daughters of God, we are literally living, breathing temples of God. When we get saved, God moves in. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. We're in the presence of God, Vic. Just knowing that, hopelessness can turn into hope. Yeah. Despair can turn into joy. Anxiety can turn into peace. Brokenness can turn into wholeness. Weeping can turn into laughing. And laughing can turn into even greater laughing. Would you be aware that God is in every moment in the very best of times, and the very challenging of times. I'm just, I'm not going anywhere unless God goes with me. You and I have the ability to walk with God. Verses 4 and 5, and so it says, So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees, but as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water, and he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. Alas, Master, for it was borrowed. And so here we have this young man, he's swinging his axe. And as he's swinging this axe, the axe head flies off the handle and into the water. And there was a cry of desperation. He cries, Our last master, for it was borrowed. He, he now knows the weight of responsibility of what had been entrusted to him. Is he now has a debt that he can never pay. See, the, the law said if you ever borrowed equipment from another and you either damaged or lost that equipment, then you were responsible to repay that person who loaned that item to you. 
And so this young man now, he's just a student prophet, is that he's determining, he's saying, look, I, I don't have the resources available in order to repay the one who lent me this item. The axe head of great value has now been flown off the handle into the water and I cannot repay the debt and that's why there is just such a great urgency saying, alas, master, for it was borrowed. He's crying out, Jesus is saviour. I have a debt that I cannot pay. I need someone to help me right now. I think it reminds me of our lives is that we also had a debt we could never pay. Is the sin nature of our lives separate us from God? And the only one who could pay the price for you and I, who could pay the debt, was his son. Jesus is Savior. And he cries out, Would you please help me, Jesus? I pray that our go to would always be Jesus. That we'd cry out, in those moments, in those times, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. And here we have this man, he's in the, the process of building and expanding and enlarging. He's doing everything he was called to do. But the axe handle flies off into the water. The axe, axe head in the Word of God always speaks of this. It always speaks of power, speaks of authority, speaks of the presence of God, speaks of the Holy Spirit, the anointing. And here, this was what was entrusted to this young man and the power of God, the authority of God, the presence of God has flown off the hand of his life and is now missing. You and I can never afford to live life without the power, the authority, and the presence of God. And there why now there's such an urgency in his heart. And he's swinging this item and he's bringing enlargement and building, but he can no longer contribute to the great plan that God has for his life. I think that is the greatest tragedy of all, is that, you, is that humanity decides not to contribute to the great plan of God and to the kingdom of God. And he finally comes to this realisation is that he has been entrusted with so much and has flown off the handle and out of his life. I wonder what it is that God has entrusted to each and every one of us that we've allowed to fly off the handle of our life and say, hey God, it's no longer for me. Wow. Wow. All those things that God has placed inside of us, and we've determined in our heart, well, that's not really for me. I wish I was like Dan. I wonder what those things that you and I just need to pick up again that have been entrusted to us. My thought with this point is, would you and I live life as stewards, not as owners? A steward lives a life as a conduit to the things of God, that whatever God places in our possession would allow it to flow out of us, whereas I found an owner, an owner likes to grab a hold of things, it doesn't release it. And God's saying to each and every one of us, can I, can I trust you with what I've placed inside of you? Don't let things just fly off the handle of your life. Would you value, would you nurture, would you protect, would you enlarge that which I have placed inside of you? I believe as we pick things up again,
is that God wants to use our gifts and talents in two places. He wants to use it in the house of God and he also wants us to use in the world in which we reach as well. And I encourage you, if you're not active in the house of God, and I understand there's different reasons and times, but I believe this is a time more than ever, that I'm not just going to be one of the 20% that carry 80% in the life of church. I hate that stat. I want to be involved. I've got some time. It may not be every week, but I've got some time to serve in the house of God. And I've got some time to serve the world outside of these walls as well. Is I'm going to make a difference wherever God places me. And I'm not trying to manipulate anyone. Anyone who knows me, I don't do that, but I believe it's a time for you and I to pick up what God has entrusted to us and go again. And if you want to get involved in the life of the church, at the end of it, just see one of the team, hey. I'm sure not one of them are ever going to say, we don't need your help. We've got a big world to reach. Would you entrust, be entrusted and say, God, I'm going to pick that up again. With my little muscles, that's got very tired. <laughs> With my half a kilo weight. <laughs> COVID has not been good to me. Uh, <laughs> Luke 16 and verse 10 says it like this. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. The little big principle, I call it. If you're faithful in a little thing, oh, he's going to make you ruler over much. I pray that we'd be faithful to what God's given us. Alas, Master, if it was borrowed, there's a great sense of urgency. Let me finish up on this thought, verses 6 and 7. So the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place, so he cut off a stick and threw it in there, and he made the iron float. What a crazy miracle, eh? Like, seriously. Wow. Therefore, he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand, and he took it. I, I love it that he knows where to go to first. He goes to Jesus, his saviour. He goes to Elisha when this thing is missing. He didn't go to the other prophets. He didn't go to his 10-point plan of how do I retrieve an axe head from the water. He didn't go to Instagram. Don't go to Instagram. Don't go. To go to Jesus. Please. And if you've got a problem, go to someone who can help. Go to Jesus. He goes to Jesus, to Elisha. And the response comes back, young man, where did it fall? I love it that God would always involve us in his miracle working power. He doesn't always, but he can do anything he wants. But so often for the miracles of God, and even the miracles I've seen in many people's lives, God involves us in the solution moving forward. And so here he says, where did it fall? It's almost like God said, I want you to be a part of this young man but I also want you to take responsibility for the problem. Is it flew off on your watch? You've got to own the problem, but I also want you to partner with me in the solution. And I wonder what it is in our lives that we need to own today. There's been times in my own life where I've tried to shift the blame onto somebody else. (laughs) It's come back that, you know what? I played my role in that as well. I need to own that problem. I think that's where true forgiveness comes as well not just for the other person but also for you and I 
We can own the problem, but God always involves us in the solution. And so he says, when it for? I, I want the detail. I want you to locate when it took place and where did it fly off the handle. And I would have loved to be a part of this conversation, the young man trying to give instructions to Elisha. Well, it fell over there. Elisha said, well, give me just a bit more detail. I, the pointing thing is not enough. Is it, is it there? He said, no, a little bit, little bit to the right there. A little bit deep, yeah, a little bit further out there. It's like, is that the spot? And they determine where the spot, or, the spot is. That's where it flew. The water's murky. The current's flowing. If you could have seen the accident, he would have jumped in, eh? So obviously, it's, it, it is lost. He cannot find it, locate it. And it says in the, Elisha grabs a stick. Just a branch. They've got the spot. And he throws it to that spot. And they're just waiting. I'm sure the young prophet's like, what, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And Elisha's just watching. The young man starts to watch as well. I don't know how long it took, but after whatever time it was, this axe head goes against nature and floats to the surface. You imagine the surprise on this young man's face. A miracle took place. He's now saying, well, the debt that I had to pay has now been paid. Is that which has flown off the handle of my life is now there within grasp, within reach again, that I can be trusted with it again. And Elisha says to him, reach out. Reach out. Reach out. Church, what do you have to reach out for right now? Elisha, reach out and grab it. What is it that you and I need to take a hold of again in the realm of the Spirit? Well, what is it you and I need to take a hold of the things that may have flown off of our lives from belief and faith and attitudes and gifts and talents and abilities? Well, what is it you and I need to reach out again? I love it that God involves you and I in the miracle. Is that God could have so easily just levitated that whole axe head out, placed it back on the axe, on the handle, and everything restored better than it was? The God says, no, 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 I want you involved in this. I need you to reach out and grab it for yourself. What do you and I need to reach out and grab again? Is that God wants to involve you in his miracles because he trusts us so much. I love it throughout the word of God. You know, the little boy with loaves and fishes. He didn't know that day that a great miracle was going to come where thousands upon thousands be fed, but God wrote him into the story and thousands of years later is where still talking about that little boy was a part of the miracle. The widow that needed a great financial position, provision in her household is she first had to make a cake for the prophet and then the abundance flowed. Abraham has a knife coming down on his son Isaac and in the thickets there is a ram, a substitute. Abraham has to drop the knife, go into the thickets there, remove the ram who was caught and became the substitute. Is that this young man's involved in the miracle? Reach out, pick it up. Would you reach out today and would you pick up what God has for you? Would you grab a hold again of that which God has entrusted to us? Now to him who was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to a power that works in us. where you desire to be is not where you are it's time to move 
I'm not going anywhere unless Jesus goes with me. I'm going to live life as a steward, not as an owner. And my last thought here is that only Jesus can make the impossible possible. Thank you for listening. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We encourage you to tell someone about your decision and pray and read the Bible every day. We also recommend attending a church in your local area. We have many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We are so excited to see you there.